7 KPFK AUTO or donate online at kpfk.org. This is KPFK 90.7 FM. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. 90.7 KPFK, Los Angeles. Get ready for the revolution. What you say? KPFK, Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. abortions after 12 weeks of pregnancy will become law in North Carolina after the state's Republican-controlled General Assembly successfully overrode the Democrat governor's veto late Tuesday evening. Good evening. I'm Angela Birdsong, and here are today's headlines. In the gun violence movement, UFCW organizer speaks with reporter Dan McQuarrie Range Projects Gallery brings awareness to Alzheimer's in art and creative writing workshops. Dating in college while balancing mental health commentary with Ashanti Polk. A state of emergency was declared in Ecuador by the current president and the community calendar. All this and more coming up. Yesterday, Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors submitted recommendations by Supervisors Janice Hahn and Hilda Solis to proclaim June 2nd, 2023 as National Gun Violence Awareness Day throughout Los Angeles County in conjunction with people across the United States, recognizing the 26th birthday of Hadia Pendleton, who was tragically shot and killed at age 15 in Chicago, Illinois, while standing in the park with her friends just one week after performing at President Obama's inauguration in January 2013. Agenda item number 16, motion by Supervisors Hahn and Salas, states every day more than 120 Americans are killed by gun violence and more than 200 are shot and wounded, with an average of more than 17,000 gun homicides every year. Gun violence is now the leading cause of death for children and youth in the United States, and residents are 26 times more likely to die by gun homicide than people in other high-income countries. Cities, Cities and counties across the nation, including Los Angeles County, are working to end the senseless violence with evidence-based solutions, including investments in our families, youth, and local neighborhoods. Gun violence prevention is more important than ever as there is an increase in firearm homicides and non-fatal shootings across the country, increased calls to domestic violence hotlines, and an increase in city gun violence. The Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors to reducing gun violence and encourage all residents to support their local communities' efforts to prevent the tragic efforts, effects of gun violence and to honor and value human lives, end of quote. Hadia's friends 
suggest wearing orange in solidarity to her and other victims of gun violence and the loved ones of those victims on National Gun Violence Awareness Day on June 2nd. You can view the County of Los Angeles Board of Supervisors' weekly agenda on their website at bos.lacounty.gov. Elsewhere, California L.A. Peace Builders Collective held a peace press conference at the Los Angeles Sentinel on South Crenshaw Boulevard in Los Angeles to create new strategies to get guns off the streets. Several community-based organizations attended the press conference, such as Stop the Violence, Increase the Peace Foundation, the Professional Community Intervention Training Institute, Outreach 360, Project Peace Angel, along with the U.S. Department of Justice Community Relations Service, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, and others. James Allen Williams III from the Community Relations Service of the DOJ speaks at the conference about their role in community engagement and conflict. Justice, it is our work to respond to communities in conflict to do with race, color, and national origin. Typically, we do this in four areas that deal with mediation, training and consultation, facilitating dialogues, and also building collaboration so that we have an increased capacity for communities to address the situations that they find themselves in. For additional information about this local, regional, and national movement to reduce gun violence, go to buildprogram.org. Next, we have our Santa Barbara News Report by Marcy Renegrade. Santa Barbara County is on the path to 60% renewable energy by 2025 and 100% by 2030. That's according to Central Coast Community Energy, 3CE, a group that buys energy and invests in renewable energy projects. A spokesperson for the group, Judy Young, told the Santa Barbara County Board of Supervisors 3CE has 19 long-term power purchase and storage agreements, five of them new projects in 2022. Santa Barbara County has invested almost $5 million in transitioning to renewables. Several members of a local gun control group, Moms Demand Action, spoke at Monday night's Carpinteria City Council meeting. They urged the council to adopt a safe storage gun ordinance. A safe storage ordinance would require all guns in a residence be kept securely stored in a locked container or disabled with a trigger lock. Some of those who testified talked about recent ordinances adopted across California and in Goleta. They urged the council to help keep kids and communities safe from gun violence. Meanwhile, the Santa Barbara Police Department is hosting an anonymous gun buyback. That's Saturday, May 20th, at the city's public works yard off East East Coda Street, where gun owners can exchange their firearms for $100 gift cards. No questions asked. The goal of the event, according to the police, is to help remove unwanted guns from our community and reduce the risk of homicide, suicide, and deadly accidents. The Santa Barbara Police Department asked that all firearms be unloaded and transported to the public works yards in the vehicle's trunk, where they will be collected by police officers. Members of the Santa Barbara City Council are still grappling with how to structure a program designed to help people find housing. 
Although the city council approved the creation of the HOPE Fund, that was last October, council members and city leaders are still struggling with the details. The city's ordinance committee decided to give staff and the public more time to fully explore how this program will be rolled out. At issue is how to spend the $250,000 in the fund, how to leverage that money into millions more to help people pay their rent, to seek legal defense counsel when evicted, to buy land, and what percentage of the money should go to the various income brackets. According to data presented by the City of Santa Barbara at Tuesday's Ordinance Committee meeting, as of April 2022, the median rent was, here we go, $3,475 for a two-bedroom apartment, $3,500 for a three-bedroom, and $6,600 for a four-bedroom. To afford a two-bedroom apartment in Santa Barbara, a family would have to earn about $139,000 a year to qualify. That's according to the city. In March, the median price of a house in Santa Barbara was $2.1 million. The median income in Santa Barbara for a family of four is about $100,100, according to city stats. The bottom line, Santa Barbara is really not affordable or barely affordable for a family earning less than $139,000 a year. The Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office reports overdose deaths related to fentanyl have more than tripled in the last two years, well, between 2020 and 2022. The Sheriff's Office reports a total of 168 overdose deaths occurring in 2022, with 115 of these deaths involving fentanyl. The Sheriff's Office recently expanded its free Narcan distribution program, allowing members of the public to receive Narcan and to watch a short instructional video at any of the sheriff's stations throughout the county about how to, how to apply Narcan, how to use it, what it is. Since the program started in March, more than 140 doses have been distributed to people. More information on opioids, Narcan, and local efforts, as well as how to receive Narcan for free in Santa Barbara County, can be found on the website of Santa Barbara Opioid Safety Coalition and on the Behavior Wellness Fentanyl is Forever website. Covering Santa Barbara, Chumash Land, I'm Marcy Winograd for KPFK's Rebel Alliance News. The revolution will not be televised. Revolution will not be televised. Damir Quarry spoke with UFCW organizer Harmony Roberts, who shares her journey of fighting to win. So, uh, what can you tell me about the uh, latest victory? UFCW 770 and you guys are, uh, are making a lot of uh, uh, inroads into the dispensary market, from what I understand. Yeah, we're um, approximately 30 drivers, 30 delivery drivers, and delivery depot staff. At we're in, I'm located in Venice, California, um, uh-huh. and basically, us as delivery drivers, us now that we're a part of the union, it allows us to, you know, really expand um, and improve delivery driver safety, the adequate, the scheduling, better pay. Um, we are now branching off. We are now, we have one in Silver Lake. We have one near Gardena. So we're also, and then we're, you know, connected with them um, in San Francisco because we're based out of San Francisco. So um, has it been fairly easy for you to uh, go in and 
to an organizing drive and, and get the drivers, or is it uh, pushing back a little bit? Um, no, it's pushing forward. It's extremely new, evolving, and it's, it's about to be the new way of time. It's about to be the new thing, you know? That's great. If I may ask, what does the average uh, driver make for them, and uh, what kind of things are you shooting for in their first contract? As of right now, um, the pay, the pay, it's it's fairly well. It's actually pretty good. Um, there, we're fixing um, some things with the mileage, so there's um, some things that still need to be coordinated properly. But for right now, I I believe everyone is is fairly happy just knowing that they're a part of something right now that is about to be really big. Excellent. And uh, so what kind of things are they typically looking for in their contract? Um, uh, changes in the mileage, right? Yeah, so and also um just the just to allow for you know things to improve as far as the for us as delivery drivers with our safety. You know, the adequate, you know, the adequate scheduling, you know, having a schedule means everything. Having structure and knowing that I have a set time, it, 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 it helps, you know. Better pay, you know, it could be, it could be better, you know, because there's a lot of wear and tear on a lot of the things that we have, that we have to use for as, you know, other things, just not for work. So, you know, like our phones and, you know, our cars and, you know, even our clothing, you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. just to be able to provide and to be able to have, you know, just to, for us to be able to have everything that we need and not to struggle, like, you know, um, um, to have access to the health insurance, that's a big thing, you know, and other benefits. Uh -huh. You know, like being a single mom, you know, and having a daughter that's about to go into high school, you know, it's just the job security and knowing that I have access to benefits, it means, it means a whole, it means a whole lot. To you, to organize, to be in the union is a no-brainer, right? Yo, definitely. It, to have people backing me and to know that I have job security, that's like, that's, that's the number one thing that you want daily. That's like that's that's the best recertification in the rest. Yeah, is this the first time you've been in a union? Uh, no, it isn't. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I worked at Hollywood Park Casino um, uh, for six years, and mm. um, I got a bad taste in my mouth for that union. But uh, it didn't didn't steer me from from getting involved again. It didn't at all, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, they, they didn't do much for me and I, you know, I definitely was expecting them to be able to, but, you know, it, it is what it is and it's a new day. So I'm not, I found, it, it only led me to something better, <laughs> new opportunities. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, are you, you, I take it you were part of the, the, uh, the, uh, um, the drive to to get the organizing drive to get the union in, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess I was I was looked at as somebody that had a, a pretty out, you know, outspoken voice right. and was yeah, was just <laughs> yeah, was real for just you know, what's right is right and wrong is wrong, and you know, um, yeah, if, exactly. if things can be better, 
I'm all for it being better, you know, and if, you know, and it, and I'm all about teamwork, so. Is there plans to, um, I would assume that you're, you guys are already planning the next place that you want to organize. Would, I, would that be right? Um, yeah, we're in, we're in the works of all that right now as we speak. Um, hmm. That, you know, everyone is just really, just really happy right now, the fact that, you know, we, we got this far, you know, so it's, 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 it's nothing but up now, you know, you can only go, you can only go down and then you can, you know, you gotta work yourself up, you gotta, you have to work for things, you can't just, it's not given, you know, so exactly. we're, we're all, we're all about working for, for, for everything, you know, we work hard. Have you heard the term wall to wall? In the union movement, no, means that uh, uh, what your ultimate plan is is to is to make sure everybody in the place is union, whether that be the yeah. drivers, the bed tenders, whoever. Yeah, supervisors. I don't know yeah. what goes into all that, but I know that does not make sense to me, and I feel like that really needs to get changed because how are you right. going to have how are you going to have people that are leading us? not have a voice like that doesn't make sense to me you know that, that i understand like we're speaking they can speak through us but that just doesn't seem realistic to me you know it seems unrealistic but yeah. for now we'll deal with it but it, it definitely is something that is going to get it's going to get changed it doesn't make sense that means that you're singling them out to not have any kind of voice at all you know right so mm -hmm. and so, um, i'm not going to get deterred from telling my supervisor about our conversation or, or feeling like I can't speak to them because of this or, you know, it's not as pumping fear and, you know, that's making me feel like my job security might not be there, but it's, it is there, you know? Yeah. USCW, is there a reason why that union was the one that you guys went with? Um, I think that was the most outspoken one and the one that was, you know, it, it, it was well-rounded, and it, it, you know, it, it was, I don't think it was really about why we picked them. It was just, you know, it, it, it worked. It, it was, yeah. it was more, it was more like less than something we didn't have to eat. It wasn't, we didn't have to beg or, or sit and explain ourselves. It was more or less like they had open arms. They were willing and accepting of everything, you know? Very good. Uh, you sound like you're very upbeat about this whole thing. It's yeah, well, you know, it's my it's my first time actually being in this type of a role and, you know, speaking with people, so I'm a little new at all this, but I'm now getting put in a position to learn something that can take me really far in life and, you know, it can take care of me and my child and, you know, I can feel secure and knowing that, you know, I will be heard because I've, you know, I've been... I've been drugged through the mud and and back again, but I don't I don't give up. I've always I will keep fighting <laughs> and to show my daughter that hard work does pay off and that you know you are allowed to say how you feel and and you are allowed to speak your your voice, you know, and you do mm -hmm. matter. Everyone matters. Exactly. Um, I'm very good. I'm, I'm proud of you, sister. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and uh, keep up the great work, and I'm glad you found a field that that really gets you excited because uh, that's that's another thing about life that we tend to forget when we're down in the dumps is that uh, uh, there's something better, and and 
All you have to do is strive for it. Well, mental health is real. And, um, you know, pre-pandemic, I masked it for so many years as a waitress. So mm. to have to go back into society not knowing who I am anymore but trying to but really figuring out really who I was and then having to have to change you know not change but just let people really see it and then you know to push through it and to know that you know it can happen to anybody and never say never but to still have a smile on my face and to still be able to want to help the next person and to make sure the next person be all right too that's you know, I just take that in my heart and in my soul and just keep going. And whatever I can do to let the next one know that it's going to be okay or we can do this until I can't do it anymore. Dan McCrory for Rebel Alliance News and Working Voices, talking with Harmony Roberts, who is one of the new drivers to be organized under the United Food and Commercial Workers Local 770. <laughs> KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Range Projects Gallery on Slauson Avenue in Los Angeles hosts several art exhibits with edutainment type of themes and with local artists like Jezzy Ujazi and her Rites of Passage, Digital Art of Afrofuturism. The Wild West Side Showcase by Gabe Galt, featuring the Compton Cowboys and his paintings. And now Joan Roby presents AWOL, Absent from One's Post, Without Intent to Desert, where her art reflects a 20-year journey in response to her mother's Alzheimer's disease, a work of love and beauty. This mixed-media gallery exhibition by Roby includes musical performances on the opening and closing dates, along with two free creative writing workshops that led by an award-winning facilitator in arts engagement this weekend, May 20th and 21st, 2 to 3 p.m. Let's meet the facilitator. So, you know, Mary, I'm going to have you introduce yourself okay. and let me know what it is, what was your participation here at the AWOL exhibit at Range Projects Gallery. Thank you. I'd be happy to. Um, we met Joan and decided to collaborate. We have both been involved in the Alzheimer's space. She, as a daughter of a woman who had Alzheimer's, her mother, and I, as a person who's worked for 30 years using arts engagement with persons with Alzheimer's. Um, and I'm also a facilitator of workshops, creative writer workshops for caregivers. So oh, I'm also a musician, and Joan's husband's a musician, so we decided to create um, a performance piece that I directed using excerpts from my play, Planet A, which is about the inner world of Alzheimer's, and music that reflected memory in one way or the other. And then we took a few monologues from the play and incorporated into this evening. And I must say, we had a great crowd. I always have someone from the Alzheimer's Association or an Alzheimer's affiliated group to come and give a Q&A after the show because it is intense and powerful and so we had someone here who answered questions and um, I have my book for sale here 
the Planet Alzheimer's Guide. And uh, we'll be back on the 20th and 21st. I'll be doing a creative writing workshop for caregivers. And this was the premiere of Memory and the Muse. But we will do this performance again June 3rd. Uh, the gallery is open from 6 to seven, six to ten, 9, and the performance is at 7. So it's all free. The workshop, the performance, the show. I invite anyone who knows someone who has the disease or whoever cared for anyone to come and see the show. Now, tell us about your book. Okay. Um, the book is a how-to guide for caregivers, personal and professional, family and friends, where we have eight ways the arts can transform the life of your loved one and your own. And since the mid-90s, I developed programs to work with persons with Alzheimer's or other dementias, as well as the caregivers, to add enrichment to their life, to give them a spark through self-creativity. Self um, everyone has the creative spirit in us. And if we just put people with Alzheimer's in front of a television, we're not going to have any more communication with them. And even if the communication is not what we had previously as their child or, or husband or wife, you can start interaction and connection through the arts, dance, music, storytelling, um, all the painting. And so that's been my mission all these years. And during COVID, I wrote this book because I've been wanting to do it. And I thought, okay, you have nothing to do now and you're in the house. So I'm very proud of it. And then this past year, 2022, I won the Mods Award for Innovation in Alzheimer's Care, and I, am, I was shocked and grateful. And my mission is to help caregivers and those with this disease to connect and communicate because everybody deserves dignity, and arts will give you that. Now, the, the CD that's here, that, is, oh. that, is that you too? No, uh, the CD is a Steve CD, Steve Stachis, and this is actually a CD that he made with Joan's mother. Joan is the artist, and so um, she loved to sing. And so even when she had Alzheimer's, all those songs are in your head. We have stuff in our head even when we have this disease. And so he created a time to record the songs that she loved. And that's what this CD is about. And so any, any of the proceeds from this, he's going to pass to the Alzheimer's Association. So all of us have been in that Alzheimer's space, and we know that art is a way to heal and to understand the world we live in. So we just have this great team that we put together with those wonderful actors that were here today, Mary Kerrig and Christopher Carbo, who joined us. So what did the actors do? You guys put on a skit, or what did, um, you, what did you guys do? What we did was we took four or five monologues from my play, Planet A, which is a whole hour's play, and we incorporated into music that related to memory. Uh, a song called Hello in There, Windmills of Your Mind, um, and Steve wrote two original songs. And so we, we wove them together, uh, music, monologues, and there was an arc to it. There was a beginning, middle, and end. And, uh, and so it becomes like a mini play. And so we just had a great time doing it. And great questions from the audience. And, and if, it, if it creates awareness and understanding about the disease, that we shouldn't be afraid of it. Like cancer and AIDS, we don't want to talk about those things. If we open ourselves to it, eventually there will be a cure.
And so I've always wanted to bring art to unlikely places where people don't think they can do art. Um, and so here we are. And um, I'm very proud of what we did today. It was our premiere of Memory and the Muse. Thank you so much. Now, how do we find you? Okay. How do we follow you? Okay. <laughs> uh, you can follow me. Well, my website is, you know, HTTP, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Mary Crescenzo, and I'll spell the last name, C-R-E-S, as in Sam, C-E-N-Z-O, dot com, MaryCrescenzo.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and I invite everyone, if you can't make the workshop by the 20th or 21st, Please come to the performance, and um, I look forward to meeting you. So thank you so much for talking with me. Oh, no, thank you for giving me your time and, and being here and bringing awareness to a disease that we need to have more information on and most definitely more, more research and studies Absolutely. On. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much again. Angela Birdsong with More Than a Sparrow Productions, reporting from Range Projects Gallery here in Los Angeles. Come enjoy Mary Crescenzo, pioneer in arts engagement for this free creative writing experience for anyone who has ever cared for someone else. Based on her book, The Planet Alzheimer's Guide, Eight Ways the Arts Can Transform the Life of Your Loved One in Your Own, Saturday, May 20th, and check it out on Sunday, May 21st, 2 to 3 p.m. at Range Projects Gallery, 3718 West Lawson Avenue in Los Angeles. Reservations are recommended. Walk-ins are welcome. The exhibit runs until June 3rd. Call 323-528-6839 for details or find Range Projects Gallery on Instagram. Next week, you will hear my interview with artist Joan Roby. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Getting help to buy groceries is now simpler than ever with CalFresh. You can apply for CalFresh online, over the phone, or turn in your application at a DPSS office. Then, use your EBT card at stores or order your groceries online and eat healthy. Click, cook, CalFresh. Still in America, yeah. beautiful, elegant, sinful, and arrogant. It's plenty hysteria after they shot at them schools in that new cafeteria. Don't sneak in that area, because if you ain't patriotic, you might be a terrorist. I know it's embarrassing. We say united, we stand, but divisions are therapy. No GED, no EBT, just BBL. That CDC said quarantine, my PPP said. Look at your race, what they gonna say? Stay in your place. Made a mistake, open the case, open the gates. Yeah, go ahead and pray for that visa. See how America treats you. We keep our history shrouded in mystery. Can't let them know all our secrets. Maybe come ladies. Ladies want more than some babies. They want to be treated like people. Land of the free, but the freedom ain't equal. We love our politics more than our people. Monday we evil, but Friday we good. New, new, new lemon right there in your hood. If you in poverty, go in the lottery. Then we might treat you the way that we should. You could be anything. If you got money, so get it by any means. Hustle is muscle and you looking weak, so you better go get you some creatine. <laughs> get your weight up. Out here in America, man. Hello. I'm still in America. 
America, where church is a Broadway production for relevance. We traded the kingdom to build an empire so people don't trust us, apparently. We worship economy. We'll kill our own babies to keep our autonomy. You mess with our Second Amendment, we probably gon' ride. But take out the probably. I'm still in America. The coast where I live, we ain't speaking much English. We do all the labor and do all the cleaning, but we don't get treated like some of us trust in the law, some don't. Some law enforcement will save you from evil. You call them and then again, some of them won't. Sometimes we cheat us to get our cheese up and take your piece of the pie. Sometimes we seize us, sometimes we Jesus, and we might get crucified. We preach civil rights. We might take your money, case. We right wing, don't vote right, you're still on sight. Same gang, but we different colors. Forefathers, but none of us brothers. Some are born here, some are sworn here. Either live free or kill each other. That was Lecrae, still in America, from his Church Clothes 4 mixtape. Multi-Grammy award-winning, platinum-selling artist, CEO, New York Times best-selling author, rapper, actor, actor, investor, activist, and social anthropologist. Lecrae is, quote, a kid raised in hip-hop culture who came to know Jesus, end of quote. The Apple weather forecast for this weekend in North Hollywood at KPFK 90.7 FM shows mid to low 80s. Celebrate Asian American Pacific Islander Takeover Weekend at the Los Angeles County Fair, May 20th to the 21st, where, where it will be in the low 80s also. The L.A. County Fair runs until Memorial Day, May 29th. More info at LACountyFair.com. Now for our international reports. A state of emergency was declared in Ecuador Wednesday by the current president, who is aligned with the U.S. and whose party lost considerable ground to progressives in February's local elections. Don DeBar spoke with journalist Stephen Septon in Nicaragua and Camilo Escalante in Brazil. A state of chaos in Ecuador where President Guillermo Lasso has dissolved the National Assembly and taken on dictatorial powers. The armed forces and national police of the country, in public statements, said they support that decision. President Lasso has called for early elections, and he will, until then, rule by decree. For more on that, we go to Stephen Sefton in Esteli, Nicaragua, and Camila Escalante in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Stephen, Camila, now, this situation is not confined to Ecuador. There are a number of other places where this is happening in the region. Camilla, why don't you start and explain to us what's happening in Ecuador? Well, just a few hours ago, we saw the president of Ecuador, Guillermo Lasso, who's this right-wing uh, banker. He owns one of the major banks there. That's uh, Banco Guayaquil. Uh, but he has his hands in a lot of other things. He has this entire administration that is just made up of really just, you know, financial elites and people who will go after and protect their interests in the country. And he decided to dissolve the National Assembly, something that's going to be uh, it's going to be looked at by some courts and it, which is being called an illegal move by some of his actual uh, former allies. And he's going to be ruling by decree for the next six months. 
that means that a lot of well, a lot of people, such as the leader of the Konaye, the uh, largest indigenous movement there, um, its leader Leonidas Iza, has called it a dictatorship because he'll be ruling by decree. Uh, he has the backing of the military, and he has instructed that the uh, National Electoral Council, the CNE. Uh, begin the process of organizing uh, legislative and presidential elections, which should take place um, in six months. But this is all happening due to this constant, and he calls it a grave political crisis since he came into power. He's only been in office for a couple of years. But since then, we've seen, um, you know, we've seen just a total lack of control of the situation in terms of the security situation in the country. We have transnational criminal organizations coming in. We see prison riots and just very stark uh, levels of uh, violent crime in the country and a lot of corruption, among other things. And the social movements have been uh, trying to get, you know, trying to push and pressure from below uh, for some changes. But it seems as if this government was never going to last to begin with. So we're going to see what happens. There's a lot of uh, reactions coming from different uh, directions, one of which, of course, is former President Rafael Correa, who has said that this is an illegal move. And, you know, they're saying that this is a dictatorship. There's now a possibility that the Correistas, those of the Citizens' Revolution, the main uh, left-wing force in the country, could actually take back power in these upcoming elections. Stephen, this is literally a dictatorship under the term that you use in political economy that comes from, the, like, the Roman structure. When you add some sort of an emergency, then someone became dictator. That was the actual name for it. And they rule by decree. And that's what we're looking at here. I think it's worth pointing out um, that there's a a political electoral crisis from the point of view of Guillermo Lasso, because as um, Camilla pointed out, uh, for ex-president, former president Correa's group um, and Andre Arauz, who was their presidential uh, candidate in the elections that Guillermo Lasso eventually won, they had a very good result in recent, I think it was, uh, provincial elections, local elections, in which they um, uh, th- they made huge advances in terms of their representation at uh, municipal and provincial level. So from Lasso's point of view, um, that that was a, a, a very ominous sign. And of course, that, that political electoral crisis uh, is uh, uh, linked to the economic crisis. Ecuadorian economy is not doing well. And as Camilla pointed out, the security situation in Ecuador has worse than it is worse than it's ever been. For example, with the um, numerous uh, killings on the streets and also uh, extremely serious violence in the country's prisons. Yeah, Camilla, you were going to say something. Yeah, just to uh, reiterate that uh, this is what it's what it's called is more. Muerte Cruzada, which is, you know, it's being called a dictatorship because Guillermo Lasso himself will have the power to guide the laws and regulations that are put in the in place in the country unilaterally. And just after he made his uh, 15 minute declaration to the nation, we saw another uh, set of statements from the armed forces and the police standing there saying that they will support this measure. And so it does seem like he'll remain in power for these rest of the six months. But now, like I said, the Konaya, the indigenous movements are going to take to an assembly as they always do. They're going to refer to the basis and they're going to see what kind of actions they're going to take next, whether it be mobilizations in the streets and things like that. But in Ecuador, not only under this administration, but in the previous administration of Lenin Moreno, we saw a lot of state of exceptions. We saw a lot of brutal police repression um, and, you know, they made it absolutely impossible uh, for people to go out and demonstrate in the streets. And that's what people have shown that they want to do during this administration. 
administration opposing every move. And so, you know, it, we're going to see what takes place in terms of um, if they'll accept this decision. Um, we have both, you know, a very large and powerful and influential indigenous movement. But on the other hand, we also have this left wing uh, Rafael Correa aligned citizens revolution, which also were extremely successful in these latest uh, local elections that took place like two months ago. So, you know, they're they in a very good position to retake power potentially in the country. You know, Ecuador has been turned, I guess, by the United States. We went from uh, Rafael Correa, who was a progressive. He was aligned with uh, Venezuela and Nicaragua and even Cuba and a very progressive uh, voice on the continent. And then we had Lenin Moreno, who was elected essentially as a successor to Correa, who was term limited out. And he turned as soon as he got in and became a close ally of the United States. We went from that to uh, what we have now, what we're hearing, you know, today. Yeah, and I, I think as Camilla has pointed out on more than one occasion, and what the, all all these all these uh, signs of destabilization, all these crises that take place, take place in countries where the local elites are strong, and and often the the, the, the these right wing elites are, are have been in government. They're strongly aligned with the United States, and um, and so. If you, if you look across the region, if you look at um, what's happening in Peru, for example, in Argentina, you can see that wherever, or, or even Colombia for, for that matter, well, you can see that wherever the um, right-wing elites are strongly aligned with the United States, which they generally are in the region, there's, uh, there, there's moves towards crisis. And this latest example in Ecuador um, is uh, only the most one of the most extreme. And if the the situation in Argentina is also extremely difficult for the current um, uh, relatively progressive government of Alberto Fernandez, largely as a result of uh, foreign debt entanglements uh, contrived by the previous right wing administration, leading to the IMF returning to have control over Argentina's economy, among among other things. And in Colombia, you can see something similar where the right-wing elites there are now mobilizing more and more actively to um, prevent uh, Gustavo Petro, the president there, from implementing his a really relatively progressive program. And this latest uh, crisis in Ecuador is, uh, 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 I'm sure Camilo agrees, um, just another example of the, inf the malign influence of U.S. imperialism in the region. Yeah, absolutely. And like one of the things that we saw come out on this large uh, news program in Ecuador is the interior minister of Guillermo Lasso came out shortly after he took uh, power in the country and said that he was actually appointed uh, essentially on the uh, on the request or um, you know, he got a recommendation from the U.S. Embassy in Quito, and that's how they decided who their interior minister would be. Wow. And if you look at the recent history of Ecuador, this is an extremely important post in the country. Obviously, it's an extremely important position in any country, the interior minister. But, you know, he, this interior minister that was essentially appointed by the U.S. Embassy has overseen all of the deaths and killings in the prisons across the country, all of the riots, all of the extreme levels of violence. So it just shows that literally by mere presence, the United States, which a lot of people says controls and is governing Ecuador, actually helps destabilize and worsen the internal situation of these countries. This is a country that's supposed to have very low levels of crime during the years of Rafael Correa. 
And that crime and the levels of violence uh, have shot up in the period since. Yeah, thanks for that. I'll go out with a reminder for the audience that the benevolent hand of the United States has brought democracy and prosperity and stability to countries as varied as Libya, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Vietnam, among many others. So nothing's really changed. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to have you with us, and we'll speak with you again next week. Thank you so much, Don, and thanks, Stephen. For KPFK, I'm Don DeBar. KPFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Here is a commentary with Ashanti Polk of the Women's Leadership Project about dating in college while balancing mental health. For more, il- for more info about the Women's Leadership Project, go to womensleadershipla.org. Here is Ashanti Polk. My name is Ashanti Polk. I am 20 years old and I am a third year college student. I didn't realize how much dating while in college was a mental health struggle. After graduating high school, I was in a relationship with someone since my junior year of high school, and I ended up calling it quits after my first semester of college. And according to Alexa Hyman in her article, How College Fails High School Sweethearts, Distant Rarely Makes the Heart Grow Fonder, this was normal. In total, I found only 5% of high school relationships transitioning into college survived beyond freshman year. I found that most relationships that do end during freshman year of college don't make it past two or three months into the first semester. This is famously known as the turkey dump. College is a different experience from high school, and because that is the case, things must change. See, after graduating high school, my partner at the time decided he wanted to attend the same college. And at first, I didn't see an issue with it um, until he stopped going. That was important to me because I knew that I wanted to be with someone who at least was going to school like myself because I wasn't working at this time. So when he told me he no longer attended our school at the time, I was shocked, but it didn't bother me. I will say, as time has progressed, my thoughts on relationships have changed. After graduating high school, I was just happy to be in a relationship, but then dynamics started changing, getting older and wanting better for myself. I now have my future to look up to, and my future includes me getting married. And I could not see myself marrying the person I was dating at the time. And mind you, I was going to school for psychology, and I wanted to be a doctor, so I knew that my future was at stake. I started my first job in 2020, and I felt so successful. I was making a nice amount of money, I was in high school, and I just felt good. The person I was dating at the time didn't have anything going for himself, and I knew this relationship would not last. Fast forward to April 2021, we would have made two years that year, but 2021 was a pivotal year for me, and in order to elevate, I had to drop some dead weight. He started to become a leech, and I had to detach myself from him. Also in the same year at the time, 2021, I thought I found my husband. My ex and I were a match made in heaven, so I thought. He shared so many similarities. We shared so many similarities. And because of that, I was blinded to the things we really didn't have in common. 
As I stated before, as time progressed, my thoughts on relationships have changed. At that time of my life, I was starting my ministry journey, and that was huge for me, but also stressful. This is where I started to realize my mental health was either going to make me or break me. No one really talks about the struggle of being young, being a young black female, or being a young black female preacher. Now, that's a whole different topic, but no one talks about it. There was definitely a lack of support and especially from my boyfriend at the time. I should have mentioned at the beginning that we were a long distance couple, so maybe that played a few factors in why we didn't work out, but ultimately it was him or my mental health and I will always choose peace before a person. We dated for a year and seven months and it wasn't easy as it was when we first started but I was willing to manage. But it got to a point where my mental health became more down. I I felt myself being more sad, crying more, and just not wanting to do anything. Um, He definitely was a leader for me in my life. He was in ministry first, so he was definitely helping me at one point. But the dynamics changed. And again, it was either me or my mental health. And when it comes down to it, I have to put myself first. I said all that to say that mental health is important. And at the time in this relationship, I didn't think it was. I always put him first. I thought that his feelings mattered over mine. But in reality, how can you help someone if you're not okay? I just want to encourage the younger generation, and even the older generation, that if you were with someone who is not adding to your success, adding to your mental health, maybe that's not someone you should be with. I learned it the hard way. Take it from me. I'm Ashanti Polk with the Women's Leadership Project, reporting for KPFK Rebel Alliance News. What it is, KPFK, I'm Angela Birdsong, and here is your Rebel Alliance News community calendar. California Black Women's Health Project invites you to Women Who Dared, a time to care affair, celebrating the legacy and the future to honor powerful and awesome Black women leaders in California, Tuesday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at the Miracle Theater in Inglewood. For information about California Black Women's Health Project and details about this event, go to cabwhp.org. As mentioned earlier in the broadcast, Mary Crescenzo, pioneer in arts engagement with persons living with Alzheimer's and other dementia, will be conducting two free creative writing workshops for caregivers based on her book, The Planet Alzheimer's Guide, Eight Ways the Arts Can Transform the Life of Your Loved One and Your Own, Saturday and Sunday, May 20th and 21st, 2 to 3 p.m. at Range Projects Gallery, 3718 West Lawson Avenue in Los Angeles, in conjunction with its newest exhibit, A Wall, Absent from One's Post Without Intent to Desert, with artist Joan Roby whose body of work reflects a 20-year journey in response to her mother's Alzheimer's disease. This mixed-media exhibit runs now until June 3rd. 
Call 323-528-6839 for more details or email rangeonslawson at gmail.com. Julia Smith is the curator. Check out the Black Women Nonprofit Leaders Forum, an all-day professional development and networking conference created to provide a platform outside of the workplace to educate, encourage, and inspire Black women nonprofit executives. The forum will include keynote speakers, special performances, informative workshops, and much more on Thursday, May 25th, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more details, go to empower.org. That's E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R dot org. The Valiant Women of the Haitian Revolution is a powerful play about the Haitian Revolution and the role many women played in the successful revolt. This Saturday and Sunday, May 20th and 21st at 7 p.m. It will be held at the Community Center on Vermont. The Haitian Revolution is one of the only successful revolts by those enslaved by colonizers. For more information, please call Micheline at 323-495-8960. That's 323-495-8960. And it's located at the Community Center at 8901 Vermont Avenue in Los Angeles. Tell them you heard about it on the KPFK calendar. Celebrate Asian American Pacific Islander Takeover Weekend at the L.A. County Fair, May 20th and 21st, for a tribute to Asian American Pacific Islander excellence at the community stage featuring live music, live cultural dance performances, and food vendors. L.A. County Fair runs until Memorial Day, May 29th. More info at LACountyFair.com. Margaret Love wants to see your face in the place Friday, May 19th, 8 p.m. to midnight at Roscoe's Jazz Lounge, 730 East Broadway in Long Beach. For more information, call 562-437-8355. Join Black Women for Wellness, week three of the mental health series, exploring special tools for mental health and wholeness, next Wednesday, May 24th, 6 to 8 p.m. Also, meet up with Black Women for Wellness Environmental Justice Program for a day of wellness and education on breast health as they teach women how to take care of themselves and unleash your creativity at the Paint and Sip event. Sunday, May 21st, 2 p.m. at A Toast to Artistry, L.A., 256 South Locust Street in Inglewood. For information about Black Women for Wellness, or to RSVP for these events, these free events, go to bwwla.org. The Tolbert Center invites you to Yoga in the Park, hosted by Dr. Glenna Tolbert, who to learn how yoga can help with chronic pain. Join them with an experienced instructor guiding you on Saturday, May 20th, 10 a.m. To RSVP, call 818 784 7197. Mental Health Matters Day organized and hosted by Mental Health America of California with speakers, exhibitors, and much more Wednesday, May 24th, 10 15 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the California State Capitol in Sacramento on the West Side Steps. For more info about this free event, 
visit mentalhealthmatters.org. Nourish your mind and body during CalFresh and Mental Health Awareness Month at the free Community Health Fair, offering resources, tips for a healthier lifestyle, giveaways, and more. The fair will take place on Saturday, May 20th, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Walnut Park Elementary School, 2642 Olive Street in Walnut Park. Street parking is available. No registration is required. Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Farmers Market every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on the Outdoor Promenade, 3650 West Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in Los Angeles. Also at the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Mall on Sunday, May 21st from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. is the I Love Myself Festival filled with yoga, meditation, performances, panelists, kid zone food vendors, and more. For more information, about other events at the mall, check out BaldwinHillsCrenshawPlaza.com under events. Join the Curtis Tucker Center for Community Wellness every Tuesday for their weekly free produce distribution at 123 West Manchester Boulevard in Inglewood from 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Parking is available no ID required, and no eligibility or paperwork needed. Let's Be Whole program is giving away free bags of organic produce every week on Wednesdays, 12.30 p.m. in Lamert Park Plaza, 4395 South Lamert Boulevard in Africatown. Check out letsbehole.com for details. The Virginia Beckett Food Pantry of Inglewood First United Methodist Church will be passing out bags of groceries Thursday, May 18th from 9.45 a.m. to 12 noon at 304 East Spruce Avenue in Inglewood. This is a monthly community event on the third Thursday of every month. Please stop by if you or someone you know is in need of food. Another free community food giveaway monthly every third Saturday, May 20th from 10 a.m. to noon or until supplies are exhausted. Please share with anyone who may be be in need of fresh fruits or vegetables. The address is 1215 East Rubido in Wilmington. Check out covenantblessing.org for details. For no cost Produce distributions taking place at clinics in Los Angeles County, visit dhs.lacounty.gov. To find food pantries near you in the USA, go to foodfinder.us. To locate a Los Angeles Tennis Union meeting in your area online or over the phone, visit latenantsunion.org. For mental health resources, crisis support, helplines, and warm lines, Go to NamiUrbanLA.org under resources. I'm Angela Birdsong with More Than a Sparrow Productions. You've been listening to KPFK Rebel Alliance News, where KPFK is a progressive media outlet, challenging corporate media perspectives and providing a voice to voiceless communities. Thank you for keeping KPFK strong and independent source of music, arts, news and information. And, of course, you can still become a KPFK member. Go to kpfk.org or call 818-985-5735 and follow the prompts to donate. If you want to become part of our news show or if you have a story, ideas, or comments, please email us at news at kpfk.org. 
Thanks to our engineer, Wendell Handy, and his apprentice for the day, my nephew, William Owens, and all Webble Rebel Alliance News contributors. We hope you join us again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Until then, let all that you do be done with love. Have a great evening, Los Angeles. Coming up next is Feminist Magazine. Maybe you've been listening to Pacifica and KPFK for years, even decades, and you appreciate how important KPFK is in your life.